We are in, uh, we're finishing chapter 23 of the book of Matthew today. And if you have been here for the discussion on chapter 23, what you know is Jesus was a little bit irritable um, during this chapter. This was, this has been um, probably his most like attacking language in a, a large part um, at, at any time in the scriptures. Um, he is going after the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. Um, just right out there, just slamming them. Um, his criticisms about them are essentially, you have put so much on my people that you are preventing them access to me. You, you are making them um, go through so many laws and regulations, jump through so many hoops to even glimpse me that they fail. And the thing about it is you don't do those things anyway. You know, if you remember, the, the way he starts off all of this talk uh, is, woe to you. And the Greek word, if you remember, we, we talked about um, the, the Greek word there meant wrath and sorrow at the same time. It was when he says, woe to you, he's expressing this complete and utter anger and rage towards these people for preventing access to him. But at the same time, he is deeply sorrowful about it. It's... Exactly what a father, a parent would do, right? You're so angry at a decision that is made, and yet you love so deeply that it hurts you. So this is what he's dealing with. He's dealing with these Pharisees and these religious leaders, and he's just, woe to you. And then he calls them hypocrites every time because um, they talk a good game, but they don't back it up. They, in fact, they do a complete opposite. So he goes through this whole criticism, and then he gets to verse 37. I have to tell you, um, something that I've tried to do my entire time as pastor when I have been leading um, and reading Scripture, both here and down the hall in big church, um, uh, is I've tried to read Scripture in such a way that it's not boring, you know? Um, Because a lot of times when it is read, it is read in such a way that makes you just... What? You know, take a little nano nap, as it were. Um, And it's read in such a way that doesn't, uh, I don't know, bring forth the life that is there. And I'm I'm not saying that people who who read it are wrong, because that is the great tradition of the church, as you read it in a reverent way. But I don't think when Jesus said some of these things, he was very reverential. I think sometimes he was quite angry. And that passion was there. I think sometimes he was desperately hurt and that passion and hurt was there. I think sometimes he was completely joy filled and that joy was just exuding. He was a man full of passion and love. And I know that that came out. So I've tried to, to, you know, not read it as a as a monotone um, Siri, you know. It's as if we asked um, Apple's new 4S Siri to read scripture, how she would sound. Um, You know, I've tried to do something a little bit different. And and part of that is because I was a a theater minor in college. That's right. Deal with that how you will. Um, But part is because I really believe that there's more there. Um, and, and something that Daryl has, has uh, brought back to us from his t- uh, the teachings he's been getting in Florida for his doctorate um, is this guy whose name is 
wow, you're so far. I'm like looking at y'all like, we don't know. Uh, what, Jeff who? Can you Barker? Yes. Come on down, Daryl. Let us know. Jeff Barker. Thank you. Um, he's one of his professors and he is like a real deal theater guy as well. He's an actor and he's like he's got, you know, credits. Um, uh, not like me, uh, but uh, and he brought this video back. They did this. He did a not a reading. He but because he memorized it. And incidentally, that's the way scripture would have been done. Um, in the early church, it would have been memorized. And when um, Paul wrote a letter to the Corinthians, somebody would have memorized it and gone out and delivered that message to the people. That letter wouldn't have traveled from person to person. It would have been a part of them. Um, so that's another story of how we know scripture. But uh, so he, he delivers this section of the gospel um, in um, the language of Golem. And what Golem is, it's not something from the Lord of the Rings, which is what I thought of immediately. I'm like, my precious. Uh, but it was um, instead, it's a, a language of slavery, a slave language. And can you imagine if you were a slave and you hear the word of God from King James? Really? I mean, how many of us hear the word of God from King James? We're like, yes, fired up. Right, because no one speaks that way. Hence Eugene Peterson going, we've got to do something, and the message comes forth. Um, but he, he delivers it in such a way, in this, like, this language of Gollum. And it's just unbelievable to see the passion exude. And it's talking about this, this man who is being saved. And um, he, uh, he finishes it by, I asked Daryl to ask his professor if we could put this up online. Daryl videoed him on his phone. So he's going to do that and put it online if, if he says yes. Um, but he finishes by going, get up. You done been healed. But when you hear that, you just want to rise up from your seat and like, yes. I mean, I don't speak Gullum, but, um, but it, was, it meant something more to me because there was passion behind it. And so I've been dealing with that for the last few weeks since Daryl brought that to us. And every time I read scripture, I try to like, okay, I can't do it in Gullum because, um, you know, y'all don't speak that either. Uh, but how can I do it in such a way that it's meaningful to what I believe Jesus was trying to say? And so I get to this section of scripture today, and, I, and I'm trying to figure out what, how, how, what's happening. He's coming off of this just anger, just woe to you, this wrath and sorrow, this, these emotions that must have been pouring through him, looking out at the sons and daughters of God the heirs of the kingdom, and seeing that they were missing it. Seeing that they didn't understand that in a very short time, he was going to take the cross for them. And they didn't get it. And, and worse still, they were standing in the way of others to get it. And he's coming off of this thing. Have you ever been in an argument with someone where you feel your blood pressure rise? You know what I'm saying? And you can just start, you can just start, you know, in your neck. It just starts beating right there. Anybody vein poppers in your head when you get angry? Have a vein come out of your head? Some of you? No? Right. You know, you, you get this in this mode and, you know, Jesus is like this. And he's just, you know, he's talking about snakes and vipers. And, and just, I assure you, the judgment of the centuries will break upon the heads. That's not like, hey, let's come and play games together this afternoon because it's rainy. That's like some serious stuff he's throwing down there. The judgment of the generations will break upon your head. And then he 
he goes into this little section that's almost like this love poem. If you come out of this, um, woe to you, hypocrites. The judgment of the generations is coming down upon you and you just feel the anger that must be inside, the anger and the heartbreak. And you get to this section. And I have no idea how to read this is where I came out. But I just wanted you to hear where he was and what he moves into. Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but but you wouldn't let me. And now look, your house is left to you empty and desolate. For I tell you this, you will never see me again until you say, bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. When I read this at the first um, service, I started to cry. If you hear where he has come from and see where he's going, I think if you read it in that light, and a lot of times we don't read the word of God the way it should be. We don't hear the word of God the way it should be heard. If you come into it from this perspective, it's got to move you to tears. Because what's happening is he's, he's just like just railing against these people. And then he comes to this section of crying out to them. I love you so much. But this is where you're headed. One of the things we forget about Jesus is um, that Jesus was fully man. Yes. Jesus was also fully God, is God. All things were created through him. Each and every one of those people that he was pointing and saying, woe to you, was his creation. Think about that. They weren't just his brothers and sisters in the way. They were his children, his sons and his daughters. A lot of times we run away from the Jesus is God aspect of things because that just makes our head go. Jesus is God. God is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Yes, what there is but one God in three. But as he looks at these people, these these people who are put in charge of his church, who are to care for the people of God and they're preventing these things. He's just exuding heartbreak. Now, one of the things that we see here, he says, how often I have come to you. Now, there's a sense that um, he has been to Jerusalem before. In the gospel accounts of Jesus, in his ministry period, we only have him coming to Jerusalem once. However, it is highly probable that he had been to Jerusalem multiple times. Now, we have a story when he was a kid about being there. But in between, we don't know. 
it was the right thing for a, um, for a, a Jew to go to uh, Jerusalem for Passover. So he was, had been there. As John says it in his gospel, he's like, look, there are so many stories about Jesus. We cannot fill all of the books of all of the world with them. There is too many. So we tell you these things so that you will believe. What John tells us is there's a whole lot else going on that one day we'll get to hear about. But right now, let's just get it to this. He's been there. What does he say? How often, how often have I come to you? And as a mother hen extends her wing, do I want to scoop you underneath my protection like my little chicks? So one of the things you, um, you might or might not know about mother hens is they do that. That is a very natural protective instinct for a mother hen and her little chicks. When she senses danger, what she does is she, you know, have you ever seen a chicken just kind of go, you know, like that? And they like puff up all their feathers and everything. And, and she gets her wings out and covers her hens, her little chickens, her little chicks. We were at the uh, rodeo this week with the kids. Um, to hear Daryl Smith on the Bud Light stage, and uh, and and it was it was awesome. But a- afterwards, we were walking around. We go through the Texas Farm Experience. Um, I, I don't know if anybody has been through this thing. Uh, HEB sponsors it, and man, they do an awesome job. It was so cool. Uh, uh, th- we got to milk a cow. wasn't a real cow, but we still got to milk it. Um, it was great. Uh, so we're, we're walking through this thing, and there's these little. This lady had in her hands. Um, what well, looked like little, Corbin gets little warm fuzzies from the day school if he takes a nap. They're those little bitty little fuzzy ball things. So it looked like. This lady had like two warm fuzzies in her hands. They were live chickens. They were little bitty just hatched chickens. Tiny little things. Like, I mean, she was doing this and Corbin was going, pet them. And he's like, Daddy, don't you want to pet them? I'm like, I think I would crush their head in. I don't know. They're so small. Um, but if you picture these little helpless Birds and a, a chicken. We know how strong chickens are, right? You know, like you, when you think of kings of the animal world, you immediately go to chicken. <laughs> but but the mothers have this protective nature about them, where they sacrifice themselves for the sake of their children. I think it was um, N.T. Wright that writes this story uh, about um, an account in England where a farm burned down. Um, a barn burned down, and they find this dead chicken, and underneath all of her chicks are alive, and I lift her wing. That's cool. She was willing to give her life so that they might have theirs. And so you see Jesus come to these people, and he's like, look, you're farmers. You know what happens with this. You understand this language. You city folk don't. It's rodeo time. We're all a little bit country right now. You see the image that he is portraying. Come underneath the protection of my wings. I'm here. Come. I want to protect you from the dangers of this world. I want to protect you from addiction and suffering and death and sickness and all of those things. So often I have come to you. And yet... The natural tendency of humanity is to sin and to run away from the protection and to think that we have it under control and we can take it upon ourselves. 
He says, but look at your house. See, what happens is he's forecasting out what's going to happen 40 years later. 40 years later, the house, the temple is destroyed completely. Jerusalem is once again attacked and they are captives. They turn their back on him. They turn their back on the mother hen, raising his arms to protect us. They took it upon themselves and they were destroyed. He says at the end, bless the one who comes. Bless the one who comes. His appeal to us is an appeal of love. I love you so much that I'm willing to die for you. Now we have the benefit of knowing the rest of the story. And we know that he did give his life for us. But he says, all I want you to do is is to welcome me. Welcome me into your arms. Into your heart. Into your soul. Let me in. So that I might cover you. And the safety of my wings. So do we accept that? Do we accept that offer? Come to me. And let me cover you. Do we accept the invitation of Jesus. Who denounces evil. And stand against. All. That seeks to harm us. Or do we look for a Jesus who conforms and fits our agendas, our little box that we have created for him? It's really one or the other. Are we accepting that gift of life? Or are we taking our lives into our own hands? God is great enough to cover us. God is great enough um, to be who we need him to be. There is not a person in this room who was not lovingly created by him. Not a person in this room who Jesus doesn't say, come, get under my wings. But God, I've done these things. I know you have. Come, get under my wings. But God, there's no way that you could, yeah. Yeah, even you. And you, and you, and you. He is the great I am. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of life that you offer us. We thank you for the gift of protection that you offer us as you call us to come under the shelter of your wings. God, draw us close to your side that we might know your love your protection, your care, your generosity, your grace, your peace. 
Help us not, Lord, to think we can do it on our own. To think that we have the answers. God, give us the courage to run away from this world. To run to you. God, we thank you. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who suffered and died so that we might live. In his name we pray. Amen.